Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. We hope you guys are doing well and staying safe and healthy and sane. This month we are bringing to you our Community Connection Show, one of our favorite shows because it's where we get to hear from you all. We get to hopefully answer some of your questions and always share your wonderful stories and insights. Would you like to start us off, Denise? I'd love to. Hi, ladies. I just finished listening to your podcast on guardian angels, and I've got a little story to share. Today, I was outside pulling weeds and listening to your podcast. I was grumbling a bit internally as I was listening to the stories of people having communication and signs from their angels. I found it challenging when I tried to connect with them. At the end of the podcast, when Samantha was talking about her feather story and explaining that we all, all we need to do is ask and they'll hear us, I mentally asked for a sign, any sign, and added a desperate please. The podcast finished, and I decided to listen to music for a while. So I stood up, took off the gloves, pulled out the iPhone, opened iTunes, and then my playlist. First up, Van Halen, nah, skip. Next sh- song, Sheryl Crow, nah, skip. Next was Jeff Healy, nah, wait, no, okay, I'll play it. It was that split second where something changed my mind, and I said, play it. I put on the gloves and got back to weeding. I wasn't really paying attention until this verse came on. A newer girl left home in a hurry, something to prove and bridges to burn. Her parents' dreams soon turned into worry. Angels taught that girl what she needed to learn. You've got to let it go. No, you've got to let it all go. Talking about let it all go. So don't burn a hole in your heart. Wow, did I get my sign. Let it go. I totally get how the verse about the girl relates to me. I don't think I would have had this experience without your podcast. I love how the universe works. With much appreciation, Diane. Well, that's pretty good about asking for the sign, and there it is. And being aware that that's my sign, you know, like like saying, oh, wait, what made me pause on that one song at that one moment when I just asked for a sign? This is why I feel so passionate about everyone awakening and strengthening and embracing their intuition, because if you don't, you're going to miss the subtle voice of your angels, your guides, and the language of the universe. Got it. And we appreciate her so much for sharing it. And we appreciate Diane for many reasons. She's been a wonderful listener and friend throughout the years. Okay, our next one is kind of long, but hang in here with me, you guys, because it's a really, really great story. Dear Samantha and Denise, please forgive this long email. I have multiple things I wanted to share with you. I just finished listening to your March 16th podcast on Guardian Angels and you suggested we should share guardian angel stories with you, and I have a couple. Back in 1992, I was driving home late one night from working in a restaurant. It was 4th of July weekend in Los Angeles. As I was driving down Melrose Avenue, I came to a stoplight and didn't have my seatbelt on. I heard a clear voice say, Michael, it's the 4th of July weekend. People are drinking. Put your seatbelt on. I have always worn my seatbelt. I wasn't even aware that I didn't have it on. I reached over, clicked it in place, and then the light turned green. I drove forward and was immediately hit, T-boned by a car flying through the intersection that didn't have its lights on. I was spun around and consequently hit by two more cars. All I heard was crunching metal and smashing glass. I couldn't see anything. My face had broken the steering wheel and the nose guard on my glasses had ripped my eyelid in half. I was incredibly banged up. We were right in front of a pretty popular club at the time. 
Some guy that was standing outside the club ran over, got my driver's door open, and sat with me and held my hand and kept me talking. He kept saying, stay with me, and asked me questions like, what's your favorite TV show? Just to keep me talking and alert while we waited for the ambulance. When the paramedics finally got me into the ambulance, I asked them if they could get the man's name who sat with me so I could thank him. He told me there was no man there when they arrived. Now, he would have been hard to miss. He would have been covered with blood just from holding my hand. They also told me if I hadn't had my seatbelt on, I never would have lived through the accident. I've always thought that both the voice and the stranger were guardian angels in different forms. In June of 2015, I had a stroke. I had no idea what had happened. All I knew was I couldn't lift my leg and couldn't speak. I was only in my mid-40s. It never crossed my mind that it was a stroke. I thought I was just being lazy. So I did stretches and vocal warm-ups for three days before finally going to urgent care, who immediately sent me to the ER, who then whisked me to ICU. My blood pressure was 244 over 156. If I hadn't gotten there when I did, I might not have survived. While I was in the hospital, they drilled into me that if anything like this happened again, to call 911 right away, not to drive myself or wait for someone to take me. They kept repeating, time is brain. Cut to September 2015, and I'm at the gym working out. I finish running three miles on the treadmill, step off, walk out, and have a massive stroke where I lose my vision. Through hitting the unlock button on my keychain, I found my car and got in. I was very confused. I know I have to call 911, but I can't see anything. I pulled out my phone, put it in front of my face, but I couldn't even see the screen to dial. Just then, a very strong, clear voice yelled out, Time is brain. Use Siri to call 911. And that's how I was able to call 911. And they were able to use my phone's GPS to track and find me. While waiting for the ambulance, I felt a hand on me. I know I was alone, but there was definitely a hand on me. I also felt a presence in the car. I don't know if that was death or an angel, but I definitely felt a presence. The nurses told me that it was something called alien hand syndrome and that it was my very own hand, which it may have been, but I still feel like someone was in the car with me that night too. Ironically, both my stories have to do with being in a car and losing my vision, which was a recurring nightmare I've had my whole life. While I was in the hospital, I would tell everyone that came to visit me funny stories from the day in physical therapy or occupational therapy, and they would all say, I hope you're writing these down. I was an actor before the stroke, and my biggest fear was that I wouldn't be able to act again. So I decided to write the stories and turn them into a solo show. I would try out excerpts at various storytelling nights around town, and every single time I told the 911 story, someone would come up to me afterwards and introduce themselves as an empath and say, just so you know, that wasn't a voice in your head. That was your guardian angel. I had my tarot cards read right before I put up a workshop reading of my first draft. As the woman who was doing my reading was shuffling the cards, she looked at me dead in the eyes and said, Do you mind if I ask you a question? Are you currently writing something? I told her about my stroke and writing the show, and she started crying. She said, Your entire spiritual team is screaming yes right now. They're supporting you in this. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. I wasn't even going to ask her about the show, but that just about knocked me over. Then I had another empath say to me, you think this is a solo show, but you are not alone on stage. You are being held up and supported by your whole team. They are all up there with you. 
This was the second time someone mentioned a team to me. I'd never really considered that. This is all pretty new to me. I started listening to your podcast while recovering from my stroke. Someone sent it to me when I posted a picture of a purple flower on Instagram one day and wrote, I don't know why I'm posting this. I just think it's really awesome. And a friend sent me a link to your podcast. Just the night before, you'd mentioned something about a purple flower. I've been listening and learning ever since. Thank you for the comfort you give. And that is for Michael Shutt. And if you want to see him and a glimpse of the show, you can go to michaelshutt.com. I hope you don't mind, Michael, me sharing your website, but I think your solo show is going to be amazing, and I want people to be able to check out all the work that you're doing. I also got chills, Denise, when I read the little bit about the purple flower, because that's my symbol for my guide. And I just think it's so cool that that enabled him to find this podcast and share these wonderful stories with everyone. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It happened three times, and they were all life-threatening and each time seems to build on the last one you know that they were saying okay we're still here with you but you need to do this you need I'm just obviously this man has a big message to share that he's still here and he's made it through on the other side of all these things that's a very powerful story it really is and I and I just love that and you know I love scientists and I obviously love nurses and doctors so much you know, I wish more of them when someone said, I saw this, or I felt this, or I knew there was a presence with me. I wish they would all go, I bet you did. That is wonderful. Instead of saying, well, science has shown us that that's alien hand syndrome. <laughs> right. I mean, really, I don't mean to be rude to our, our frontline workers here, but I definitely think that someone was with him. How in the middle of a stroke would you think Use Siri to call 911. Mm -hmm. So those are just wonderful stories of angels reaching out and, and helping us and preparing us. And even though sometimes bad stuff has to happen, like a stroke or a car accident, these stories remind us that our angels are with us through those dark times. So we thank you so much for sharing that story. It's very humbling, but yet inspiring. It's Beautiful, beautiful, and well-written as well. Yeah, very well-written. He needs to write a book in addition to a solo show. Get cracking, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Our next one. Hi, Samantha and Denise. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for your lovely podcast. I've been listening a little over a year, and it has helped me out of some of the darker moments. Even just knowing that others go through the same thoughts, feelings, and challenges as I do has helped immensely. I've referred it to several of my empathic friends, and I look forward to all your episodes. Thank you very, very much. I recently listened to the Empaths and Anxiety episode and related to so much of what was said that I broke down into tears. I have two young boys, three and four at home, and a loving, supportive, hardworking husband. I like all the suggestions about supporting yourself during busy seasons of life as it really hit home for me. My question is mainly for Samantha, but would appreciate any input from both of you. How did you accept, forgive your mother and move past how she affected you? My mother has narcissistic-like qualities, which I feel is due to a mental illness. She has no interest in getting help as she sees nothing wrong with her behaviors. We've had our ups and downs, but after having children, my relationship with her has become much more strained. She'll give me the silent treatment for weeks on end. Oh, they love to do that, don't they? 
which has been the case since I was a child. She never offers to watch the kids, but will for very short periods of time if asked. She works part-time, but is always busy or not feeling well. I want her to be a limited part of my kids' lives, but always feel like I'm forcing it by having to be the one to initiate contact. I've had therapists suggest different strategies that work for a while and then fail. At this point in my life, I would just like to know how to accept this as her and let go of the anger and guilt I have towards it. I'm afraid that if I, that I take it too personally as being an empath and worry it will affect my relationship with my children as they get older. Any recommendations you have would truly be appreciated. Well, I would say that my heart goes out to you because I know how difficult that is. And if I've ever given the impression on this show that I have like completely forgiven and healed and accepted my mom, I apologize because that's not true. It's a daily thing. I, th I think when you have such an intense, intimate relationship as anyone does with, with a parent figure and they are continually hurting you, you can't just say, well, I forgave them. It's like, Again, I really wish we would give more credence to emotional abuse. Every time she gives you the silent treatment, if you would pretend or just imagine for a moment that instead of giving you the silent treatment or subtly putting you down or ignoring you, she was instead punching you in the face, what would you say to someone who said, well, you just have to forgive her and accept that's who she is? Would you just show up at her door every day and accept the punches? No. Of course you wouldn't do that. And so, first of all, don't be hard on yourself for having a hard time forgiving her. Because someone who is continually doing the act which needs forgiven, that needs forgiveness, excuse me, they are not in a place for forgiveness. So really what you need to work on is forgiving yourself. Give yourself grace. Don't worry about your mom. She's going to be who she's going to be. Focus on yourself and give yourself the grace and the acceptance and the love that you need and deserve before you even start to deal with your mother and her issues. Also, I'm not sure that every child has to have a relationship with their grandparent. Some grandparents just really aren't worthy of that. And if she wants to see your grandchildren, she'll initiate it. And if she doesn't, you know, they'll be fine and they might be a little better off. It'll be hard. You know, my kids' school has Grandparents' Day every year, and my kids are one of the only ones who never has a grandparent show up, but it's okay because we all have to learn how to love ourselves. And when we love ourselves, we are teaching our children this is how you love yourself. So when my kids, for example, you know, hear stories about grandparents doing all these amazing things, they know that their mom has set a really firm boundary in her life because she loves herself. And so they don't look at it as like a big issue. They're like, yeah, I've got a grandma, but, you know, she's kind of cranky. So we only see her a couple of times a year. And they're fine with that. So I, I just would not necessarily focus so much on how am I going to forgive my mom? How am I going to you know, let my children know that this is who my mom is. They'll figure it out, trust me. What you need to focus on is what you have created all on your own. You have a beautiful family. You have two young, amazing boys. You have a wonderful, supportive husband. That is the biggest gift in the world. 
yeah, you've got a cranky, weird, narcissistic mom. Okay, that's your cross to bear in this life. You know, it, and if you, if you change your perspective on that, I think it will help you start to realize that this isn't the defining thing in your life. It doesn't have to be the defining thing in your life. And at the same time, you have to appreciate and accept that this is a cross you're going to have to bear. And just as any heavy weight we carry with us, you're going to have to learn how to carry it at different stages of your life. So it's going to affect you now when you have little kids. I think that's the hardest time, Denise, don't you? When you realize you have a difficult parent, when you become a parent and you realize, oh my God, I never would have done that to my kids. And you kind of have to regrieve and go through the depth of challenges you faced as a child when you become a parent because you're starting to see it not from a child's eyes, but from a parent's eyes. So you have to be really, really patient with yourself and know that this issue is going to come up again and again and again. I see my mom a lot now because I'm taking care of her. But for, throughout my children's lives, we would see her on the holidays. And that was it. My parents have never, not once, babysat my children. And that's my choice. And I'm fine with that. I have a great list of babysitters. It's no big deal. I just think you have to draw really firm boundaries and redefine the relationship you're going to have with your mother, not on her terms. Don't let her decide that. You decide that. If you want to see her and she's giving you the silent treatment, oh, well, you're her daughter. Give her a call. But maybe you'll be a little bit more like me and see that these silent treatments are gifts. Well, let me tell you, sometimes I really enjoyed <laughs> as an adult <laughs> those months or years where my mom was not talking to me. I don't mean to make light of that, but you know what I mean? Yes, and another, just a really quick addendum to that is that your mom has been one of your greatest teachers and I don't mean that in an esoteric or a airy fairy way but she's gifted you with knowing there are certain things that you would never do as you're raising your own children so sometimes if you reframe it a little bit as seeing it what a that you contracted for this that you you chose your mom your kids chose you if you believe that that it's it's a beautiful opportunity and being someone that's older and my my parents are past and my children are grown is i do see it from a different perspective in that there were some very difficult situations with with my mother but now on the other side of that it becomes more of a place of acceptance so just samantha gave really great pointers and advice but make sure if you catch that, just kind of remember to say in your head, I love you, or to send some positive energy back. Because that's um, but truly, as weird as it sounds, it's a beautiful gift. It is. It's, it's a shitty gift, but it's a gift. Mm -hmm. It really is. And, you know, I think I shared this with, we had a similar question in March. But that advice my therapist gave me really, really helped me when I would always come to him with, because my mom is always presenting issues, right? Like for every holiday, I would like to have my in-laws over and my parents, you know, God forbid, imagine we all get together for a holiday. And my mom would always say, why can't it be just us? So there were always issues like that. And I would say to Dr. Bennett, what do I do? Because if I don't invite my in-laws, they're going to be mad. If I just have my mom, I'm going to be mad because I want my in-laws there. And he would always say to me, 
no matter what you do, your mom is going to find a way to be mad about it. No matter what you do. If you do everything perfectly, she's going to be mad that it's too perfect. So just do whatever the hell you want and just expect her to get mad either way. That was so freeing. That's great advice. Yeah, it really is. on advice because that's what, I can have this little Zen esoteric response because of what I said. I'm older. It's been a long time. But in the midst of it, God love you because I can remember crying uncontrollably and driving away from places and screaming in my car by myself, it's never effing going to be Walton's Mountain, Denise. Let it go. So, I mean, just do what you have to do to get through this, but know on the other side of it, you'll get a different perspective. Yeah. And like I said, know that you're going to have to deal with this grief throughout your whole life, even after she's gone. Uh, I'm already preparing myself for that. And every stage, every development, every new chapter, there's going to be a new type of grief. Like now that I'm taking care of my mom almost every day, you know, she can't drive, she can't cook. So my sister and I take turns going over there. And Denise, she's so freaking nice to me. And it's bothering me because I realize that she has always had the capacity to be kind and chose not to. And she's only being kind now because she needs me. And that's a whole nother kind of grief. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very much so. So it's always going to be there. But as Denise and I said, if you can change your perspective on it, see her as the gift and the teacher that she is. But allow yourself to, you have a right to be angry. You have a right to be pissed off about this. It's unfair. Walking around life without one good parent is like being an emotional amputee. And it's okay to be upset about that. So again, focus on forgiving yourself more so than forgiving your mom. You've got your whole life to focus on that. Right now, you've got this amazing family. So if you give your energy to yourself, you'll have more to give to the blessings of your family now. Our next one says, Samantha and Denise, I love your podcast. Thank you for your amazing insights. They bring me great joy. I'm curious to hear what insights you have about empaths being prone to health problems and in specific adrenal fatigue. Do you have any tips for combating the symptoms? Also, how do you feel the current epidemic is energetically affecting the collective? Um, I think we're all getting blasted right now from the collective. You know, and and, uh, adrenal fatigue, that was something that came out in the late 90s and from a more of a naturopathic and alternative medicine point of view. But it's a related signs and symptoms that when the adrenal glands function below necessary, and a lot of times it can feel very intense, like a chronic infection of bronchitis, flu, pneumonia. Sometimes there are physical signs and and sometimes they're very light. You might just feel tired and gray and have a hard time sleeping. Some, Some people might even crave salty snacks. So the whole thing is that your immune system responds by revving up when you're under stress and your adrenal glands, which are the little organs just above your kidneys, respond by releasing more cortisol and adrenaline. So you get that more of that fight or flight response. So do I think as empaths, we're more prone to that? Very, very, very much so. Very much so. Uh, Because we're always sucking everything up like a sponge. One thing that a lot of people suggest is, you know, watch sugar and caffeine and junk food, be aware of vitamins and minerals, 
a lot of times it's more about finding time for yourself to to decompress, to set a nightly ritual to go to sleep. But really, um, and what similar to the last question, the people that you associate with find a way to decompress after you're with them because I think that's part of it. And personally, I think you don't, and this is from personal experience, you don't realize it's happening until you're way in deep, you're in the deep end because it's subtle, it's extreme. If you're in a situation in your life right now where you're doing it all, you're trying to spin all the plates. Yeah, if anyone has a magic answer to that, when you're the primary person, similar to your situation right now, Samantha, you don't have an option to say, oh, I'm not going to go and pick up my mother for her appointment. Eh, she'll be fine. Or I'm not going to um, parent three, three girls and do homeschooling and run a business. Those are intense situations. So it, it can physically impact. What I've noticed as far as the collective people seem to be mimicking similar symptoms. There's been these huge, huge downloads of just feeling exhausted, drained, overwhelmed. People have been having horrific dreams. And I'm wondering if that's connected with watching too much news, but that's a story for another day. I think that uh, sometimes it can manifest in anxiety symptoms or heart palpitations. So uh, a wide variety. I posted some good articles on our Facebook page about the science and the psychology behind all the weird dreams we've been having. So if you want to read more about that, check out um, Enlightened Empaths on Facebook. I think when you realize you're an empath, and one of the reasons why Denise and I get so spiritual and intuitive and talk about our mediumship on this show is because you have to come and go through life with a spiritual perspective when you realize you are an empath. So yes, you, if you have adrenal fatigue, you have to go to your doctor and get regular checkups and practice all that physical care. However, in tandem with that, I truly believe you have to practice spiritual self-care. So I would recommend if you have adrenal fatigue that you also, in addition to going to your doctor, check out psychic protection techniques where at least once a day you're grounding your energy you're shielding your aura and light. You're learning how to discharge energy that isn't yours. You're learning cord cutting techniques. You're taking salt baths for self-care or doing a salt scrub in the shower to scrub your aura clean, where you're learning how to work with crystals. I really believe for highly empathic people who take on other people's stuff, I really, really think they should learn a healing modality that works for them whether it's Healing Touch or Reiki or Qigong or Falun Gong or whatever it is that resonates with you, yoga, anything that helps you connect your body, mind, spirit. Uh, I know for me, it's just getting out in nature, walking, doing yoga is incredibly helpful for me. I have to do Reiki on myself, especially during this whole time. But also I've noticed doing Reiki on others helps me when I'm feeling overwhelmed by the collective conscious of this energy. Denise, I know for you, nature is your key, as well as writing and journaling every morning. So finding something that is self-care. And Denise mentioned sleep. And I have to tell you guys, I resist sleep. I don't know. I have been this way since a baby. I don't like to sleep. I think it's a waste of time. And yet, I know now I have to have sleep. And so I've had to create a fairly rigid schedule around sleep where at least I'm in bed at a certain time. I might not be sleeping, but at least I've shut everything down in the house, locked everything up, put the pets out to their last bathroom break, 
said goodnight to the girls. At least I've done all that ritual so that when I'm in bed, whether I choose to read or watch a show or write, at least everything is shut down and my brain knows, all right, kid, it's time to calm down. And letting myself get more than the five or six hours I always thought I needed. <laughs> I think during this time, we do need more sleep to process all of this energy. Denise, you and I were talking off air and you used such a great word. You said it feels very polarizing right now. And I, I totally agree. And I think there is a lot of polarizing energy out there and empaths don't do well with that. We need balance. And so finding ways that you can spiritually take care of yourself during this time is going to be crucial. Our next one says, Dear Samantha, I've been thinking of sharing this with you and I just know you'll appreciate hearing it. You answered a very important question that I asked about a year and a half ago in an email reading. After reading your response, I took great encouragement and worked to follow your advice. I had some missteps along the way, as is how it always is, but I just have to tell you that you absolutely got things 100% right. Three summers ago, I took a group of students to a national forest on a field trip. One of the rangers who gave a demonstration on what they were doing for woodpeckers was a man named Mike. I was immediately drawn to him, and we talked about wildlife afterwards. But all I remember thinking was that I wished I could have found a way to continue our conversation. But it didn't seem the right time or place. So since my reading with you, Mike and I found each other on a dating website. And this time, the timing was right, and he even remembered me. We started dating in November. Samantha, he is the man I've been dreaming of and praying for my whole life. I never knew what I was completely missing in a relationship until I began one with him. His kindness and patience knows no bounds. He's intelligent and thoughtful and spiritual. He's gentle and accepting, but strong of character and heart, and will defend and protect those he loves without hesitation. And let me tell you, as all this began to unfold, I saw the markers that you mentioned fall into place like perfect puzzle pieces. I have been astounded. First, you said he'd be connected to my work. Exactly. We met on the field trip. And lately, he's been working on a grant to get our fourth graders into a program with more outdoor education. Samantha, you described him to a T. His personality is exactly as you said. You saw him overlooking acres of land. Well, he's a forester. His passion in land and restoring and maintaining our forest. His family owns 250 acres of land that has been in his family since 1812 and means everything to him. Here's something else interesting. You mentioned I would be a mentor to a younger family member. I was puzzled by that until I met his nephew's fiance, who's studying to be a teacher just like me. She wants to teach first grade. Mike even mentioned I could be a mentor to her. He doesn't know about our email readings yet, but I plan on telling him. I remember when he said that to me, the word mentor just clicked, and I immediately thought of what you had said. All of this is to say I want to thank you for sharing your gift with me. You encouraged me and were a big part of keeping my hopes up when I was discouraged and disappointed. I'm very grateful for the gift of Mike and what he brings to my life. I've learned so much over the past five years, but one thing I truly understand is how all things work together for our good, and that spirit is ever-present, ever-guiding, and working within our lives to bring us closer to the light, the source of love, even when we don't see it or understand or feel it. It's moments like these that we can look back and reference like little guiding lights showing us the path. So thank you for being a light on my path. With love, Becky. So I asked her permission if I could share this email, not because I wanted to sing my praises, because 
I know it sounds like that. That's not my intention. Uh, for two reasons. One, I get emails all the time from people, and I'm sure you do too, Denise, saying, I've been alone for three years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Am I always going to be alone? And when I email them back my response, sometimes they'll say, well, that sounds great, but I don't know. And then something like this happens and you realize, yes, if you put that intention out there, love will find you. But the other reason I wanted to share this, Denise, is for our intuitive development peeps out there, because I remember doing this email reading very, very clearly because I saw all of this and I wrote it down. And then as I usually do after email readings is I'll go for a walk just to kind of like discharge and disconnect my energy. And I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing an intuitive. No, that's not true. They were interviewing a woman who wrote about intuitives. She decided to go on like a year-long quest and get readings. And they were joking how every psychic says, you will find love with a handsome man who loves the forest. A mount they called it the mountain man. And they were joking and laughing about how psychics kind of don't know what the heck they're talking about. And I remembered I had just typed up this whole response that this woman was going to find this mountain man. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I one of those? And it really bothered me. And then I get this email and I'm like, no, damn it, Samantha, believe in yourself and believe in what you do. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to share it because it's such a affirming and confirming email that love will find you when you're ready. But I found it also personally confirming because sometimes when you do this work and you're just intuitively trying to figure out what's coming down the road for someone you don't know it you just are seeing glimpses and snapshots or words or hearing sounds or lyrics and you have to put it all together and and hope that it's right and then and then you hear something like this and you're like well darn it look at that it was right so that's why i wanted to share it that's a lovely lovely validation as well beautiful thank you um, our next one, I really enjoy your podcast and the stories that your listening, listeners tell. I thought I'd share this one. It happened about four years ago. My son went outside and turned on the pool lights one evening. I went outside and shouted, oh my God, you see they haven't worked in three years. I got an estimate that it would cost over $1,000 to fix, so I just didn't turn on the lights anymore. There was also an ant nest in the breaker box. The incredible part of the story was that after I went into the house, not five minutes later, I started playing online Scrabble with a friend. The puzzle shows the letters at the bottom, C-E-E-U-K-A-Y. My mom's name was K, and I feel that she was sending me a message and trying to communicate with me. This was one of the most incredible stories that I have with evidence and pictures. This was just too much of a coincidence to ignore. I communicate with her every day now. So, I mean, that's pretty damn good. C-U-K. I mean, that's, that's a pretty fun message and the lights coming on. And also that this lady trusted that and, and reaches out every day and said, because I think a lot of us do that. We'll talk, we'll, when I'm doing a reading and someone will say, well, tell her this. And I always say, well, they can hear you. They hear you. And, and your mom is saying you talk to her all the time. And look, then someone will laugh and say, well, I do. And I said, it's also a telepathic thing. It doesn't have to be that you're, you're in the middle of a board meeting and you feel your father's presence. You can telepathically say hi and send love. And you don't have to sit in the middle of a group of people and say, hi, dad, how are you? <laughs> but I love, love, love when they validate. 
and they say, yes, I'm here. We see you. We've got your back. It's beautiful. That's a very fun, cute story. I love that. And she did, she took a picture and she sent it with the email. And sure enough, that's exactly how the letters lined up. The letters lined up to say C-U-K. And it reminded me, I can't remember if we got this story on this show or Psychic Teachers, but recently a woman had written in that, you know how you just have those times in your life, Denise, where everything goes wrong and like all her appliances were going down and she was recently divorced and she just couldn't afford to fix all this crap that was breaking. And one night her dishwasher broke and she was like, oh, come on, you know, like for the love of God. And she said to her kids, I wish grandpa was here to fix these things because her grandfather, well, it was her ex-father-in-law who had died and it was her kids, obviously, grandfather. Anyway, she said, because he would fix everything. No sooner had she said that, she gets this thought in her head to just try the dishwasher one more time. And she did and it worked. And then the, I think it was her washer or dryer that broke. And she was like, well, let me see if he's really on it tonight. She goes and checks the dryer and that's working. If you guys hear that noise in the background, my dog is coughing. He has anxiety. Anyway, isn't that such a neat story? Oh, it is. They can do some pretty damn amazing things from the other side. They really can. If you ask and if you're aware and you're noticing it, they can even fix pool lights. (laughs) (laughs) i love it okay our next one says hi samantha and denise first i want to thank denise for an amazing reading back in february i am now coming into my light and sharing that with others second i'm eternally grateful for your podcast it has helped me in so many ways and has always been a great reference for me in times of need now to my question since my awakening last year around may of 2019 I've been doing my own form of meditation. I was preparing to go live on Instagram and discuss chakras. I run a podcast and Instagram page geared to those early in their spiritual awakening and those on a similar path as mine. So we're all learning together. Well, the night before I was going to go live, I decided it was time for me to actually try these chakra balancing meditations. I didn't expect much of it, but a beautiful sense of calm that I always get when meditating. I started at my root chakra and visualized a spinning red wheel, asked for grounding, and moved up, working through each chakra and asking God for guidance and answers pertaining to each center. I got to my third eye chakra, and that is where things went to another level. I had asked God to show me the way to help me see clearly what it is I was to do. I meant this in a literal real-life sense as I'm struggling with the whole COVID thing. Then in a flash, I had a vision. I saw my room, the one I was meditating in, as a grid. Everything was perfectly squared. The plane was black and the grids were electric blue, like a neon white blue. In this vision, it was assumed I could travel through it. The vision went as fast as it came, but the knowledge I got from it was intense and real. When I moved to the crown chakra, I asked God to send me angels and give me answers. I then felt a warm, loving presence, almost like a hug on my left arm, and then my right arm, and then each of my feet. I should mention I was laying down while meditating as I find it most comfortable. I'm convinced I felt the presence not only of one, but four angels. Each touch was different. My question is, what could you make of that grid I saw? Could I have seen my room in another dimension? Was it my world, but bare, ready for me to fill it with what I see fit? I've always known I had a deep purpose on this earth, and I just thought it was to spread love and light to all. But could this grid be a means of actually traveling to deliver that positive energy? 
I'd like to add that I'm amazed that I saw something so mathematical and scientific as I'm not the greatest at all things science and math. This was not something my brain had made up. I knew it was sent to me. Thank you again for all you do, Teresa. Well, Teresa, first of all, if you feel that the message that you got was meant to say you need to travel in different directions and you know really move on with this message that you're trying to share, that is what I would go with. I also think that there is something spiritual about seeing the world in terms of sacred geometry and, and math type stuff. It's almost like the room was laid bare for you to see it for the essential it was, which was just energy and how we are all just energy. And if you align yourself with the energy of highest and best, then you will always be living your purpose. And I feel like that was God's way of saying, that's all you need to see right now is that you are this perfect creation of energy. There's um, a really great book called The Sacred, oh gosh, I can, The Sacred Flower of Life. I'll have to look it up. I can never remember the title, but it talks so much about the science and math in terms of spirituality and how we are all created from that sacred grid formation. So I'd recommend she look into that. I'll, I'll Google the name while you respond to her, Denise. I had read something yesterday. It was very recent. It's interesting she brought up the grid because they, someone was talking from an astrological perspective about there's a stretch of time coming up in May. I think it's the 14th. Well, this will air after that, but there's a stretch of time where we really connect with the energy of the Pleiades and the seven sisters and the stars and all of that stuff. And it was fascinating because it goes back many, but they were saying that this message from the Pleiades was we don't see, we see the earth as a beautiful connection of electrical energy and grids. So that really, I thought that was very, very fascinating that that's the way she described it. Because even though she was saying, you know, she felt the angelic presence, could there also have been another, whether it's ascended or from another frequency or another realm that was also validating for her, you're on the right track and this is the message you need to share. I think that was a, it was a lovely, lovely story uh, uh, and sharing, thank you for sharing that with us. Also the fact that all of this is happening as she's saying, I'm ready to share more of this light with the world. So it's very, very cool. Yeah, that was really well explained, Denise. Okay, so the book is The Ancient Secret of the Flower of Life. There's volume one and two. I have mentioned this book before in the show, Denise, and a really kind listener sent me the phonetic spelling of the author's name, and I still can't grasp it. It's <laughs> Drunvalo Melchizedek, but she sent me the proper pronunciation and like phonetically spaced it out. I still can't get it, but it's a fascinating book. To me, it's like The Course in Miracles in that if you've ever read The Course in Miracles, I had to read it once, and then I had to read it a second time in really small sections, and then I had to read it a third time before it I, – I feel like such a little brain sometimes when I read stuff like that. Do you ever get like that? You know when the concepts mm -hmm. are so sciency and spiritual all mixed in one, it's a little overwhelming? That's how I felt with the ancient secret of the Flower of Life books, but they're amazing, and I think it'll help her with her wonderful vision. Okay. Incredible. Do we have time for a couple more? I think we do. Hi, Denise and Samantha. Thank you so much for your podcast. I value the sense of community you've created. 
I'm so glad you shared the story from the person experiencing resonance in their body. I love that you both talked about it as a normal, common occurrence. Since my early 20s, I've had the experience while falling asleep or being asleep of my entire body vibrating. Sometimes I would also hear deep tones or see a circle of blue light that would open up my third eye and I would see a bright, vivid vision. I've always assumed the experience was, as Samantha said, my vibration being raised. Even so, the feeling could be physically overwhelming. It often scared me, and I would ask my angels to make sure I was safe while it was happening. I've not heard about anyone else experiencing this until your community connection show. I haven't felt this happen more than a handful of times since my late 30s. Maybe that part of my spiritual growth is complete now. I do miss it, though, and still remember one of the visions which was a series of scenes that looked like they came out of a National Geographic episode. A forest camp and canopy, a stream bubbling over rocks, a mountaintop, and finally a fire in a circle of stones. Thank you again for all you do and blessings to you and your families, Catherine. I think it's wonderful that there's a sense of community and again, that validation. I think that's why a lot of people, we're, we're all in this together. And if we can share something on the show that makes you realize, oh, I do that too, or that makes sense because I understand it. No one else ever has. That, that was our original intent of the show, was to try to bring together like-minded people and normalize it's okay to be highly sensitive and have what my other people might see as kind of weird shit happening in your life. I know, and I'm so glad that you know we're doing it and people are responding and, and feeling uplifted and connected by it. I just wanted to say one thing, how she said it, that vibration thing doesn't happen to her as much. I've had the same thing. When I first started learning to meditate with my chakras, kind of like our previous listener, I would feel that vibration lifting throughout my whole body. And after a couple of years, now when I do the chakra meditation, I don't feel that at all. And I used to think, well, does that mean I'm not doing it right anymore? Am I not doing enough Reiki on myself? What's going on? And my guide showed me like an old, cranky, dusty car that hadn't been turned on in a while. And you know how like if you turn on that car, it'll kind of grumble and moan as the engine turns over and kicks back to life. But then if you drive it again the next day and the next, it's, it's used to being turned on and started and, and all the oil going through the engine so it doesn't make those same noises. I think that's how we are when we first start to bring up our higher vibrations throughout our body. You're going to feel it because we're, you know, spiritually a little dusty, some of us. And then when you keep running that spiritual energy, that oil of the car engine through your body, it doesn't need to feel as strong, as intense as it does. So that could be one reason why she's, she doesn't have that experience as much anymore. It's a good analogy. Thank you. Well, thank my guides. Okay. <laughs> We have time for one more, and this is more of a wonderful story than a question. Hi there. First, I have to say that your podcast was a huge catalyst for my spiritual awakening, and for that, I can never thank you enough. I discovered enlightened empaths while seeking out resources for healing at the end of my failed marriage with a narcissist. I've only been listening since December, but I've been devouring all the old episodes in between the new ones. I have to share something that happened while listening to one today. We are now preparing to sell our home as part of the divorce. So I was working and enjoying an episode about surrendering from last June. So much of what was discussed in that episode resonated with me because it was one of the biggest lessons I learned through the toughest year of my adult life. I had been a stay-at-home mom 
and deciding to leave my husband while not knowing how in the world I was going to do it required me to put a lot of trust in the universe. So I surrendered, knowing it just had to work out somehow. Fast forward a little over a year later, and I now have a great paying job that practically came out of nowhere. Just signed a lease on a perfect townhouse, and I'm now literally packing up my old life once and for all. Anyway, today I was working in my son's room, and suddenly I saw something out of the corner of my eye on the floor. It was a leopard jasper palm stone, which he had picked up at a metaphysical shop a while back, just because it was pretty. I'm relatively new to crystals. By the way, thanks for my new obsession, Samantha. <laughs> You're welcome. So on a whim, I stopped and Googled it. The first link I clicked describes it as, quote, known for attracting harmonious vibrations into one's existence, which correspond to one's direct needs, but not necessarily desires. This includes the attraction of certain circumstances and people that are conducive to one's own personal growth, end quote, which I interpreted as a crystal for surrendering and healing. I just had to share this beautiful synchronicity. Thank you so much for all you do and the courage you provide to all of us who share our own light. Isn't that an awesome story, Denise, of not only just surrendering, but to me, it sounds like she surrendered with so much grace and peace in her heart and then had this great validation and synchronistic moment when she found this stone that her son was just like, mom, this is pretty. Can I have this? And yet it was the exact stone they needed during that difficult year. And just the fact that she was brave enough to step out of her comfort zone and know it's going to be okay. We'll get on the other side of this. And I agree to get the validation of the perfect stone to see that out of the corner of her eye. It's, it's fantastic. Such yeah. a sweet story to share. At the same time, she's listening to our podcast on surrender. I feel like that was her guide's way of just cheering her on in the only way they knew how in our dimension of living by saying, look, 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 listen to this podcast, go into this room, find this stone, <laughs> look it up. You know, like that's how they talk to us. Yeah. So I love that. And we wish you the best of luck with your new amazing job and your new happy chapter of your life. Well, we have many more questions and stories to share, but we've run out of time. So we will save the remaining ones for our, our next community connections. If you have a story or a question that you'd like to share with us, you can always email us, enlightenedempaths at gmail, or you can Facebook message us. We're there at Enlightened Empaths. And if you want to reach out to us personally, our websites are samanthafey.com, F-E-Y, and Denise's is thegratefulmessenger.com. And if you have a moment, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find us and we can continue growing our community because this is just really, really a blessing to hear from all of you guys and know that the work we're putting out each week is having an effect on everyone and and I hope you guys who have taken the time to contribute stories and questions know that you too are contributing to the light and the community that Denise and I are trying to create and share. So we hope you guys have a blessed, happy, wonderful week. As always, please remember to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.